Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Dalzell Recording Studio. I know I've been silent for a couple of weeks, and I want to apologize and thank you for your patience. I'm back and hopefully better than ever. I'm ready to read with you again, Wayside School Beneath the Cloud of Doom. Um, we are going to uh, get through four chapters today. I'm really excited about sharing those with you. And I also wanted to remind everyone that the ERC just added 200 new ebooks to our collection. And among those ebooks are this title and all of the Wayside School books. So with your student email and your grade level password, you can log in to Destiny and check these books out for yourself. You can either open them and read them um, and then just leave them where they are, kind of like you would on a shelf, or you can check them out for a whole week and um, they automatically return, which I think is very, very cool. Um, in addition to the Wayside School books, there are tons of others, and I certainly hope you'll check them out. And I want you to know that just like the ERC Padlet, the uh, ebooks in our collection are available all uh, through our, the rest of our school year and all summer long. So without any further ado, let's get back to Wayside School, which is still beneath the cloud of doom. Chapter 17, The Best Principal Ever. Mrs. Jules went from desk to desk, handing back everyone's history homework. Nice job, Eric, she said to one of the Eric's. Well done, Eric, she said to another. You better study the history of cabbage, she told the third Eric. The ultimate task is coming. The third Eric, naturally, was Eric Ovens. He thought he knew all about the history of cabbage and felt bad when he saw his homework grade. Then he realized that Mrs. Jules had given him Eric Bacon's paper by mistake. It turned out Eric Bacon had Eric Fry's homework and Eric Fry had his. They switched papers. Mrs. Jules moved on. Nice job, Dee Dee, although your paper smelled somewhat strange. She stopped at Jason's desk and shook her head. I was very disappointed, Jason. Sorry, Jason muttered. He could barely hold his head up. I was up reading all night. He'll never finish that book, Mrs. Jules, said Allison. Suddenly, the classroom door swung open and banged against the wall, and everyone turned to see Mr. Kidswater. Good morning, children, he said. They stared at him. He had never been inside their classroom before. Mr. Kidswater loudly cleared his throat. <clears throat> I said, good morning, children. Mrs. Jules hurried to the front of the room. She waved her hands like an orchestra conductor. Good morning, Mr. Kidswater, the children said in unison. The principal smiled. What's all this? he asked, pointing to the 27 plastic containers stacked against the wall. Toenails, said Paul. Also fingernails, added Leslie, so the principal wouldn't think the class was weird. Well, I'm glad to see you're doing some of the important work here, said Mr. Kidswater. Would you like to donate a toenail or maybe a fingernail, asked Mrs. Jules. Mr. Kidswater curled his fingers and examined his nails. No, I'm still using mine. Anyway, that's not why I'm here. I'm looking for a student to bang the gong on Friday. I figured I'd start at the top and work my way down until I some, found someone willing to. Every arm shot up in the air. Calls of, pick me, and ooh, 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 could be heard around the room. Oh, said Mr. Kitswater. I guess it won't take as long as I thought. Me, me, begged Bebe, stretching her arm high. No, no, me, me, urged Dee Dee. 
It was impossible to know where Mr. Kidswater was looking. He wore mirrored sunglasses, even indoors. Joy had both hands raised, doubling her chances of being picked. You're the best principal ever, she called out. Mr. Kidswater's head turned. You, he said with his pointing finger. Everyone groaned except for the one person he had chosen. Me? Stephen asked meekly. You? asked Mr. Kidswater, sounding somewhat surprised. Yes, you, he declared. I chose you, didn't I? And I don't make mistakes. He strode towards Stephen, then placed his big hands on both sides of Stephen's desk and leaned over. Be in my office on Friday at two minutes before three o'clock, he ordered. You will get one and only one swing of the mallet, so you better not miss. You must hit the very center of the gong at exactly three o'clock. Not a second early, not a second late. There are no second chances. Stephen's right leg was shaking. The principal straightened up and headed toward the door. Goodbye, children, he said. He stopped. He waited. He folded his arms across his chest. Mrs. Jules waved her arm like an orchestra conductor. Goodbye, Mr. Kidswater, everyone said together. As soon as the principal was gone, everyone crowded around Stephen's desk. You are so lucky, said Jason. This is the best thing that has ever happened to anyone in our class, said Jenny. You better not blow it, said Joy, or else no kid will ever get to ring that gong again. Can you even lift the mallet, asked Terrence. Stephen didn't say anything. He hadn't heard a word they said. It was as if the moment Mr. Kidswater had said, You! Someone had banged a gong inside Stephen's head. Gong! Chapter 18. The Mirror Dr. Pickle kept two things on his desk. One was a bust of Sigmund Freud. A bust is a statue of someone's head, neck, and shoulders. Sigmund Freud was the most famous psychiatrist ever. He was Dr. Pickle's hero. Dr. Freud also had a beard. The second thing on Dr. Pickle's desk was a handheld mirror. Dr. Pickle checked his beard at least five times per day to make sure it was trimmed just right. Now, however, that was the least of his worries. He looked at his face in the mirror. His cheek was puffed out. His tongue was sticking out. One eye was closed and one eyebrow was raised. He looked like a big doofus. He gently swung the pickle stone between his face and the mirror. I am getting sleepy, he said to himself. By the count of five, I will fall asleep. One, two, three, his head plopped down onto his desk. This would normally be the time when Mr. Pickle would tell his patient what she was supposed to do when she woke up. But he was his own patient. And both patient and doctor were sleeping. Sometime later, a car, car horn blared. It sounded like there was an angry driver right behind him. Dr. Pickle woke up. He had no idea how long he had been sleeping. It took him a moment to remember who he was, where he was, and why he had tried to hypnotize himself. He picked up the mirror and checked his face. No change. Now what am I going to do? He asked. That was strange. He felt his mouth move when he spoke, but the mirror in the mouth in the mirror, they didn't move. He brought his hands to his face. He could see his hands touching his face in the mirror, too. The cheek in the mirror was still all puffed out, but his own cheek felt soft and flat. 
He moved his tongue around inside his mouth, even though the tongue in the mirror was sticking out at him. He set the mirror on the desk. This is very interesting, he said aloud. Clearly, the face shifts to whoever stares at it, he realized. He turned the mirror over, face down. He hadn't read about this in any of the psychiatry books he had. He slowly raised the mirror, caught a glimpse of the hideous face that was still there, and then quickly set it back down on the desk. This discovery would make him famous. He picked up the bust of Sigmund Freud, even more famous than you, he said to it. But would all that fame be worth it? What if someone else's face got stuck that way? What would you do, he asked Dr. Freud. There's a reason it's called a bust. It was made of bronze and felt heavy in his hand. He flipped the mirror over and slammed Sigmund Freud down on top of it, and the face shattered. Up in Mrs. Jewell's class, Kathy suddenly felt very dizzy and confused. She looked at the sentence she had just written. I can't read this, she explained. It's backwards. Let me see, said DJ, taking it from her. How'd you do that? That's so cool. Warm, Kathy replied. Chapter 19, Pushdowns. Stephen lay on the playground, surrounded by his classmates. He grunted as he pushed down on the blacktop with all his might. Nothing happened. You can do it, urged Mauricia. Push harder, Stephen, encouraged Joe. Stephen pushed harder. He grunted louder. Still, nothing. Lewis, the yard teacher, blew his whistle. What's going on here? He asked as he made his way to Stephen. Stephen's trying to do a push down, said Damien. You mean a push up, corrected Kathy. Why do you have to be so opposite all the time, asked Damien. Stephen isn't pushing up. He's pushing down. So he can go up, said Myron. Kathy didn't mean to be opposite. She discovered that she had liked being nice and having friends. She just really thought they were called push-ups. How many has he done so far? asked Lewis. None, said Jason, but he's trying really hard. Lewis kneeled and then patted Stephen on the back. Keep at it, Stephen, he encouraged. Every day you'll get a little stronger, and in a month, I bet you'll be able to do five pushdowns. A month? exclaimed Dee Dee. Stephen doesn't have a month. He has to bang the gong on Friday, exclaimed Ron. Lewis raised one eyebrow. His mustache twitched. I guess he really is the best principal ever, he muttered. What? asked Mac. Never mind, said Lewis. Push hard, Stephen. The mallet is made of solid iron. Stephen grunted louder than ever. He didn't move. I can't do it, Lewis, he gasped. Talk to Mr. Kitswater. Tell him to pick somebody else. Oh, me, exclaimed Joy. Mr. Kitswater is the smartest principal in the school, said Lewis. He must have had a really good reason for picking you. Would you like to donate a toenail or maybe a fingernail? This is it, Jules asked. Mr. Kidswater examined his nails. No, I'm still using mine. I need a student to bang the gong on Friday. The next thing he knew, all the little brats had their arms in the air and they were making strange noises like, ooh, ooh, and me, me. You're the best principal ever, someone shouted. Those were magic words. He turned to see who had shouted them when suddenly he saw her. That awful girl who had given him that face. You, he boomed, pointing at Dana. Dana had a mosquito bite on her ankle. However, at that moment, she bent down to scratch it. 
and Stephen sat behind Dana. He lay on the blacktop, staring up at the awful cloud. I'm doomed, he moaned. Look, Stephen, I don't know what will happen on Friday, Lewis admitted. I don't know if you'll hit the gong or drop the mallet on your toe, but I know this. You have to try, or else you'll regret it every day for the rest of your life. And whenever you hear a gong, your heart will fill with a terrible sadness. You really don't hear gongs all that often, Myron pointed out. I mean, except here. Even if you make a million dollars someday, Lewis continued, you could buy your own gong and hit it every day all alone in your great big mansion, but it won't be the same. That is so sad, said Leslie. Paul sniffed back a tear. So what do you say, Stephen? asked Lewis. You want to give it one more try? Stephen wished Lewis hadn't mentioned dropping the mallet on his toe because now that's all he could think about. He sighed and then rolled back over, and he pushed as hard as he could. You can do it, Stephen, urged Allison. Push, said Jason. Up, encouraged Kathy. I mean, down, I mean, I mean, up, I mean. Now she was really confused. Stephen rose an inch off the ground and then collapsed. Everyone cheered. One more, urged Lewis. And then we'll go to the monkey bars and we'll do some pull-downs. Chapter 20. Inside the Closet. Jason did it. He finished reading all 999 pages. He was so tired he didn't know how he made it up the stairs to Mrs. Jules' class. He fell asleep somewhere around the fourth floor and awoke on the 28th. Did you finish your book yet? Alice asked him when he entered the classroom. She and Rondi giggled. Yep, said Jason. The girl's mouths dropped open. His book report only had to be one page, but Jason had written 10 pages. It was impossible to write only one page about a 999-page book. He wondered if anyone had ever written a book about with more pages. Probably not. There's probably a law against writing a book with a, more than a thousand pages. He brought the 10 pages and his three pictures to Ms. Jules's desk. I guess if somebody writes a book with 999 pages, it has to be really good, he said, or else nobody would ever read it. I don't know, Mrs. Jules admitted. I've never read a book that long. Jason sleepily handed over all his papers. Where's your paper clip? asked Mrs. Jules. It got all bent in my backpack, he exclaimed, explained, too tired to think about what he was saying. Unbent, really. I guess the 999-page book was too heavy for it. He showed Miss Jules his paperclip, now unbent into a crooked line. Miss Jules put her hand to her mouth, horrified. You bent your paperclip? she gasped. Unbent, said Jason. Miss Jules stood up. You better come with me, she exclaimed, and she grabbed Jason by his ear and yanked him toward the door. Oh, he whimpered. Whispers could be heard from all around the room. He read a 999-page book, but he bent his paperclip. He wrote a 10-page book report, but he bent his own paperclip. No, he unbent it. Everyone stop talking now, ordered Mrs. Jules. Do not leave your seats for any reason. And she pulled Jason out of the room and slammed the classroom door behind her. She dragged him straight to the closet that wasn't there. 
Jason read the signs. Keep back. Do not open doors. Danger. Call the fire department if you smell something unusual. He sniffed. He didn't smell anything. Yet, Ms. Jules turned the dial on the padlock as she quietly said the combination to herself. 24, 17, 6. The lock opened. But you said this closet wasn't there, Jason pointed out. Of course it's there, said Mrs. Jules. Hold this. And she gave Jason one end of the heavy chain. He remained where he was as Mrs. Jules took the other end and walked four times around the closet, unwrapping it. Then she took Jason's end from him and tossed the chain aside. It clanged against the floor. A steel bar held in place by two clamps still blocked the closet doors. The locks on the clamps had letters instead of numbers. Jason watched as Mrs. Jules set one lock to ACBD and the other lock to BDBC. The clamps snapped open. I'm really sorry about the paperclip, Mrs. Jules, said Jason. It's a little late for that now, don't you think, said his teacher. And she lifted the steel bar and tossed it aside. A loud clank echoed down up the stairs. Mrs. Jules walked down several steps. Jason watched, amazed, as she slid open a secret compartment hidden in the third step from the top. She removed two keys, one red and one green. Each closet door had a keyhole. One was green and the other was red. Mrs. Jules put the green key in the red hole and the red key in the green hole. I have to turn them toward each other at precisely the same time, she said, or else it will trigger the sirens and smokescreen. Jason held his breath as he watched her turn the keys. The doors clicked open. Ever since the closet first appeared, he and his friends had been trying to guess what was inside. They imagined all kinds of horrible things, but what Jason saw now was worse than anything they could ever have imagined. The closet was empty. Don't lock me in there, Mrs. Jules, he pleaded. I didn't do it on purpose. The red book, it was too heavy. He tried to remember all that he had seen and heard. Third step from the top, red key in the green hole, 27614, ABDC. It was all too much. It was slipping out of his brain faster than he could remember. Call the fire department if you smell something unusual. I don't want to become an unusual smell, he cried. What are you blabbering about, asked Mrs. Jules. Why would I lock you in the closet? She bent over. And Jason looked again. The closet wasn't completely empty after all. There was, in the back corner, a small cardboard box. Mrs. Jules picked it up. A price tag stuck to its side read 89 cents. Mrs. Jules opened the top flap and removed a paperclip. Now, don't tell anyone where you got this, she said as she handed it to him. I won't, he promised. She put the box back in the closet, then shut and locked the doors, turned the color-coded keys in opposite directions. She returned the keys to their secret hiding place, and then she grunted as she lifted the steel bar, and then again when she set it in place. She snapped the clamps shut and spun the dials on the locks. Jason picked up one end of the chain and walked four times around the closet. Mrs. Jules secured the padlock. I am very proud of you, Jason, for finishing the whole book, she said. I was kind of sorry when it ended, said Jason. The teacher and the student returned to class. And there you have it.
four more chapters from Wayside School Beneath the Cloud of Doom. They were some fun and funny and strange ones, but I'm sure that that comes as no surprise to you. Let's do a little recap of those chapters. In chapter 17, we have Mr. Kidswater coming upstairs to find someone to bang the gong um, because he wants someone to say that he's the best principal ever, which actually ends up happening, doesn't it? Um, And Stephen gets selected to bang the gong. He seems very nervous about it. And we'll find out later on exactly why. Uh, In chapter 18, we go back and find Dr. Pickle still frozen with the big doofus face, trying to hypnotize himself. And um, obviously when he did that, he hypnotized both the patient and the doctor, as the chapter said. But weird things happen in Wayside School. And that face gets stuck in the mirror. And I love that Dr. Pickle knew that he could have gotten famous with that face, but didn't want to hurt anyone else. So he smashed the mirror and smashed that face. But it had an unintended effect on Kathy upstairs. And we find out more about that when we get to chapter 19, where Stephen is out on the playground doing push downs because he is pushing down against the ground, right? (laughs) And Kathy, who argues, says push up and the kids kind of push back on that renaming of the exercise. And we find out that Kathy really wished that she could stay friendly and agreeable because she kind of liked having friends. So I hope that that works out for her. And it's in this chapter, we find out how Steven got chosen to be the kid who gets to bang the gong. And it's because Mr. Kidswater pointed at Dana at the exact wrong second, she bent down to scratch a mosquito bite. And who's sitting behind her? But Steven. I love um, that chapter where Lewis, uh, the yard teacher, uh, tells Steven how much he'll regret not banging that gong, even if he's a millionaire and buys his own gong and bangs it alone in his giant mansion. It'll never be the same. And I thought that was kind of fun. And then, of course, we in our last chapter for today, we discover that Jason has finished that 999-page book. He has written a 10-page book report on it, including three pictures. But somewhere along the way, he bent his paperclip or unbent it, depending on how you look at it. And he thinks he is for it when he gets dragged out to that closet. And we find out exactly how to open it. I wonder if those details are important. Um, There were a couple of different combinations and things you needed to know. And Jason, I love when he says, don't make, I don't want to go in there and become an unusual smell. (laughs) But if you know Mrs. Jules as well as I do, and I know you do because we've been reading these books together, it shouldn't become as too big of a surprise that that entire closet and all its locks, keys, and combinations protects an 89 cent box of paper clips which are obviously very important to her. And reading with you is very important to me. So even though we've had this gap in our reading time together, I hope you know it has nothing to do with me not wanting to read with you because it is, of course, my favorite thing to do. I hope you are all doing well. If you have any thoughts or ideas about what we read today or really anything else, you can always email me or go to our Padlet and leave a video. I always email or video back. I hope you're all well. I hope you are finding wonderful things to read. Um, And 
I will be back again soon with another episode of our Read Together podcast. Until then, take good care and keep reading.